Welcome to Lorica, the podcast of Father Patrick Cardine, pastor of St. Patrick's Orthodox Church in Bealton, Virginia. St. Patrick's is a parish in the Antiochian Orthodox Christian Archdiocese of North America, serving the Western Rite. Father Patrick is also the administrator of the Orthodox West. In our Gospel lesson this morning, we know that Jesus seems to go through a lot of trouble to heal the man. All the steps and details that St. Mark's tells us about are not because this was just a particularly difficult healing for Jesus. He could have healed him with a word, but he didn't. He went through these stages, this process of healing, in order to teach us something. In this case, as it is with all miracles, it is a sign. The miracle is a sign. It speaks to something beyond just that particular incident. This man's disabled condition, he was was deaf and mute. He could not hear nor speak. These two things, especially working together, they express the two essential characteristics of broken humanity. These two disfigurements are at the root of man's failure to fully live. Jesus, in our story, plays himself. He plays himself as Logos Creator, Word of God by whom the worlds were made. Now the crowds there, they didn't know this Creator Jesus, they just knew him as Mary's boy. They do not know that this is the Jesus, the one who breathed life into their own bodies, who spoke the worlds into existence out of nothing. So here in the story, the Logos Creator He pulls this man, this very marred and disfigured creature, out from the crowd to be alone with him in private. That's the first thing he does. And then the primary problem of the man, his primary issue is that he can't hear. That's first. This is a serious problem. If we cannot hear, we cannot know God. It's as simple as that. We know God through His Word. And the Word comes through hearing and hearing through the Word of God. Man and his sin, and that goes for all of us to some degree, we're walking around in audio darkness. God is speaking, but we cannot hear Him. This is our fundamental problem. It is a lack of awareness. A lack of perception of the great mysteries and holy things of the kingdom of God that is all around us. We see here, but we do not truly see. We do not truly hear. We do not understand that God is all about, that God is speaking at all times. And he is saying marvelous things, calling us to himself, calling us out from the world calling us unto the holy. The Spirit is constantly wooing and beckoning with a still, small voice. And yet, so seldom do we hear Him. There's so much noise in our lives. Many reasons we do not hear the Spirit. But He is wooing and calling. We need to listen. 
Well, the second problem that he had was that he couldn't speak. That makes sense. If you can't hear, you're going to have a difficult time speaking. Not only is it just a practical issue of not being able to speak, but theologically, and even more profoundly, if you cannot hear, you have nothing to say. If we're incapable of hearing the Word of God, who is life, then we are just empty. There's nothing there. Now, we all feel that way from time to time. We all struggle sometimes with emptiness, a hollow void. There is no word there springing up, welling up within us. We know the difference when we are filled with the word of God, with a zeal for the things of God. There's a word in our mouth because he puts it there versus those times when we are sort of hollow and empty. At the creation, in the beginning, the Spirit hovered over the deep, and He filled the void of darkness. He created. He brought something out of nothing. When we are hearing the voice of God, our mouths are filled with speech. As He says, open your mouth, and I will fill it. The gift of speech follows the gift of hearing. We might ask, when we are ready to speak, when our mouths are filled, who is our first audience of this speech? Well, I can tell you it is not the needy crowds. No, the first audience is God himself. When we are filled with the word through the spirit, we preach to God. We tell him of his marvelous works and we glorify him. We call upon his name. We give him thanks. He is our first and foremost audience. The deepest expression of faith and love is to give thanks, to extol the glory of the Lord. The crowds come next. They come later, after the Lord himself. This man in our story, we can see he is severely damaged. He cannot receive the life of God because he cannot hear, and he cannot express this life because he cannot speak. So Jesus goes through this lead lengthy and detailed process to bring about the man's healing. First, he calls him out from the crowd. Second, he puts his fingers into his ears. Third, he spits and touches the man's tongue with it. Fourth, he looks up to heaven. Fifth, he groans and sighs. Sixth, he says, Ephatha, be opened. St. Mark wants to emphasize that this healing of the man was a process. Not because, because Jesus couldn't heal him with a word, but for our instruction. Healing is an art and a process. Just like with this man, we must go through a process. And we must not give up. We have to follow it through to its end. Our total healing requires perseverance, trust in God along the way, and submission of ourselves to the doctor's prescriptions. We must not be our own physician. We must not be our own spiritual father. He who has himself as a spiritual father has a fool for a spiritual son, someone said. Our healing is not a one-dose pill either. Man in the garden 
At the very beginning, he was created like a little child. He had to grow into perfection. Why would it be any different in the new creation? Perfection is still a process. It is still repeatedly saying yes to God again and again throughout our lives. Number one, Jesus calls the man out from the crowd. The greatest threat we face today is secularism and worldliness. I beg you to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. I speak to you not on my behalf. I speak to you on behalf of our metropolitan uh, Joseph, our Father in Christ. I speak to you on behalf of the patriarchs of our church, of our hierarchs, and of all the clergy. The greatest danger we face corporately and individually is secularism. We must not allow this temporal life, the cares of this world, the desires of our flesh, the demands of our worldly lives to crowd God out. We must put worship first, confession first, tithing first. We must put God first. You must choose to make the worship of God and life in the Christian community the center of your family and of your very existence. This is the number one thing that is killing us slowly and imperceptibly. And the challenge before us when it comes to this problem, the challenge is overwhelming. Our entire culture, our entire world has gone through a cataclysmic shift, not just in recent days, but over the last centuries. And this is acutely concerning especially to the clergy. Secularism is the bubonic plague of our day. It threatens our very Christian culture and existence. Now, secularism sounds like some complex disease. How am I to combat this? If you want to know, it's not complex. It is not complex. Almost every time I stand before you and say anything, I am trying I am begging, I am pleading, I am conjoling, I am sometimes gently, sometimes maybe not so gently. Everything I say to you is about combating this. It is not complex. It simply means that you must orient your life around the church and the kingdom of God in very practical ways. Let me get even more direct how you spend your time and your money. So everyone needs to go home this week, today, and have a family meeting, which you should do regularly. Take stock. How you can put the kingdom of God first and make it central to your family. And if you're a family of one, then go home and talk to yourself. But figure it out. Two. He put his fingers into his ears. The finger of God is the Spirit of God. We are to listen to the Spirit, and we are to obey the Spirit when he speaks, that still, small voice. If you keep ignoring the Spirit when he tells you to get off the couch and go do this or go say that, he's going to get tired of being ignored. And he might just go silent for a little while. We can grieve the Spirit. 
Don't grieve the spirit. He then spits and touches the man's tongue with a spittle. We must receive the very sustenance of his body. Or as Christ says, we have no part in him. We must make the sacramental life of the church central to our lives and not absence ourselves from the Eucharistic assembly. Fourth, he looks up into heaven and he groans and he sighs. And we know that the Spirit of God groans within us because we do not know how to pray as we ought. We must groan. We must do the work of prayer. And if you do not realize that prayer is a labor, it is a labor in the Spirit, but it is a labor. It is the most difficult thing you will ever attempt in this life. If you have not figured that out, then you have not been attempting it. <laughs> Pray without ceasing. Then five, he says, Ephatha, be opened. We must receive the word of the Lord in obedience. In obedience. The word of God is from above and it will make all things new. It will recreate your life. And make your life anew, deliver you from all sin and danger and harm, and fill you with joy if, if you obey it. The fathers who comment on this gospel miracle often speak a lot about how it relates to our baptism. Because this man, deaf and dumb, he's representative of sick and dying, corrupt and mortal humanity. And baptism delivers us from this. It's not surprising that in the prayers that we say in our baptismal liturgy reflect actually and call out this very gospel story. If you remember at one point the priest in imitation of Jesus himself in this story moistens his thumb with his tongue then he touches the candidate on the ears and says Ephatha, be opened. It's interesting also that the priest does this very act in the midst of the exorcisms, because our broken ears are brought about by the demons. As Christians, we are delivered from the demons who lie to us. They tell us lies and not the truth. And when their lies fill our ears and our mind, that's what stops our ears and keeps us from being able to hear the Word of God, the Spirit of God. We now, through our baptism, we have been given a deposit. We have been given the Holy Spirit and He speaks within us. He speaks in here and we must listen to Him. After Jesus performed the miracle, we read that the people were astonished beyond measure. And He says they were, quote, struck out of their senses. Struck out of their senses. This phrase, St. Mark is so Markin. This phrase, very important biblical phrase, the language here, Mark's very deliberately wanting to call our attention to creation itself. He's saying, this Jesus is not some village preacher. He is the creator of the universe. The people cry out, He has done all things well. This language struck out of their senses and He has done all things well. It's come straight out of Genesis chapter 1. And God saw that everything He had done, it was exceedingly good. At the end, at the perfection, when all is wrapped up and complete, in the book, in the Apocalypse, 
Chapter 21, Behold, I make all things new. Jesus Christ, the Savior, is Jesus Christ, the Creator, and He has come to us to reconstruct our very being. This Jesus is also not only Creator, He is Healer. But this healing for all of us in the hospital, which is the church, this is not an outpatient surgery. It's not laparoscopic. You don't just go in, have a small little incision, you're in, you're out. You don't just come to church, get communion, and go on with your life. That's not how this Christianity thing works. If Christianity isn't working for you, something's wrong. Something's wrong. You understand? If it's not working for you, if you read the Gospels, and your experience is not matching up, With what you're reading, either you're misunderstanding what you're reading, or there's something wrong. There's a a bolt out of place. There's a crossed wire. It works. Christianity works. And if it's not working for you, something is wrong. Or maybe you just don't understand it. And if something's wrong, you need to find out what it is and fix it. Maybe you've got the red and the green wire together. Maybe there's not a firm connection, but something's wrong and you've got to find out what it is and we can help you. And then you've got a reverse course. You've got to change, make a change. In good old-fashioned church speak, you have to repent. God is present here to make us new, but it requires more than a casual faith. God help us to hear, to listen, and then to speak and to find the courage and the joy that he promised us even in the midst of this troubled world. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You have been listening to Father Patrick Cardine, pastor of St. Patrick's Orthodox Church in Bealton, Virginia. This has been a production of the Orthodox West.